We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Courtside with Christy and Gabe on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. I am Christy Winter-Scott, and as always, joined courtside by Gabe Ibrahim. Gabe, uh, you know, it was a rough night here in, <laughs> in the DMV, man. Golly. Oh. It, it was. Uh, so, yeah, we're obviously talking after the Mystics got knocked out of the playoffs. It was a great night of basketball. If you're just yeah. like a normal basketball fan <laughs> and you, were, you didn't have a rooting interest, um, last night, um, and you know, I think we had a fun time on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so you guys should follow us on Twitter. I'm at Gabe underscore Ibrahim. You can follow her hoop stats on Twitter at her hoop stats. Um, great follow, always giving out good stats, always live tweeting every game. And Christy, where can the people follow you? On Twitter at Christy C H R I S T Y. If they put an I on it at Starbucks, I still drink it, but it doesn't work for Twitter. So C H R I S T Y W Scott. 51 and that's both on twitter and instagram so yeah i was i was tweeting away last night during that mystics phoenix game and man that game was topsy-turvy but washington gabe had full control Mm -hmm. until the very end i mean the first lead for phoenix came with under five minutes to go in the in regulation Mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter well, so yeah, I mean, it, it, they can't. So Scott Diggins Smith hit that shot to put uh, Phoenix up 75 73 with 456 left in the fourth quarter. Right. Right at the end of the third quarter, Washington had a 13 point lead, 70 to 57. And then from there on, uh, Phoenix went on a 20 to 3 run until the end of the game when the Mystics were kind of able to get some stuff going. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Shea Petty. I mean, that's an all-time story, right? She hits this game winner right as the buzzer sounds. Yeah. 
against her former team, who she yeah. played with last year, won the title with, then got cut by this season, ended up leaving the team despite the team wanting her back. Um, and she hits the game winner. Yeah. And right before uh, Diane Taurasi was saying this in her press conference, that right before that shot, uh, Shea Petty went up to Diana Taurasi and she goes, it's game time. And Diana yeah. was like, yeah, I know. Like, this is, this is the thing I do. And, and then Diana was like, but she was talking about herself. It was game time right. for Shea Petty to make that shot. Um, her first ever game winner. Yeah. I mean, that's an all-time story, right? That's an all-time story. It is. And, you know, I think for the, the two days or the, I think it was less than 48 hours in between her being released by Washington mm -hmm. and being then signed by Phoenix, I believe it was like the 17th of August. And what Coach Tebow said last night in the press conference was when we released her, we were opening up the salary cap mm -hmm. to yeah. allow space for Suge Sutton and giving us a chance to take a look at her. Now, when they released Shea Petty, it was the understanding on both sides, apparently, from yeah. you know what Coach Tebow said it was on both sides that they were going to re-sign her right away as soon as you know financially it it fit back into the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And so I think they were a bit shocked, even at that point, not just because of yesterday. I think they were shocked at that point that she decided to sign with Phoenix because I think there was uh, obviously a verbal agreement, nothing etched in stone or anything, but right. I think there was a verbal agreement that, Hey, we're going to release you for a day or whatever like that, but we need to find space in the salary cap to squeeze Shook Sutton in here and give her an opportunity. Um, give us an opportunity to look at her because there were, there were training camps for the WNBA this year. So, I mean, Shea Petty was on the team last year, but she was also in a, um, a developmental role on staff as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, she had such a, a good rapport with everybody. So I don't think it was anything no. negative, but at the same time, I mean, when it comes down to business, I, that's tough. And just the timing of, of the signing by Phoenix and, you know, her accepting it and, and signing there. Oh my gosh, that's tough. And then to have Leilani Mitchell, had the game that she did, the 25 points against her former team. So there were so many chapters to this book, this drama. Um, and Shatori. Shatori's on the and Mercury Shatori. now, too. And Shatori. And I saw the little banter between the two uh -huh. terps, uh, Shatori Walker Kimbrough and Christy Tolliver. Um, because I believe it was like maybe after the first quarter, and I, I believe Christy Tolliver said something mm -hmm. to the uh, effect of, uh, you know, this isn't going to be a cakewalk for Phoenix, which it was not, right? Yeah. You had to, a buzzer beater. You didn't uh, have the lead until 456 or 7 left in the game. Okay, so we understand that that, that was factual from Christy Tolliver <laughs> to say that. Um, but then Shatori, after the game, just tweeted, oh, like, oh, yeah. eight, period. <laughs> and then Tolliver was like, hey, it wasn't a cakewalk, you know. But just the back and forth with that, because, you know, they won a championship here in D.C. together, Shatori and Christy Tolliver. And Tolliver, of course, taking the season off um, after signing as a free agent with L.A. So it was just – it was one of those nights, man. I just – I think I hurt my hamstring. I was wondering why my hamstring was I sore because I think when Kara Leslie gave got that rebound, I jumped oh. up out of my seat and I think I injured myself <laughs> so I'm like oh, my hamstring did. is wrecked from that I'm like where did she even come from with the one-handed rebound are mm -hmm. you kidding that was she insane. had a great she had a good game too I mean yeah. so on the on the Shea thing 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just because at that point in the season, it really didn't seem like Washington would be in this position. Because yeah. if you recall, the Mystics start out three and zero, then they go one and twelve in the yeah. meat of the season, right? And then they finish the season four and one to to get into the playoffs. So when Shea, at the midseason cutdown date, got cut, it didn't seem like Washington would be back. And I imagine Shea's thinking was like, well, you know, I've seen this Washington thing. Maybe I want to get a new experience with Phoenix, and it seems like they're going to be in the playoffs, so I, I may get some more playoff experience. So it was, I, you know, I think it was the best. Yeah. Obviously, it turns out to be the best thing for her, worst thing for Washington. I know, uh, I know. But then Bria Hartley got injured too, so I think she yeah. knew that she. Well, I at the time of her signing with Phoenix, you know, Bria Hartley was still out there having a, a career mm-hmm. best season for the Mercury, and I knew that um, there was probably a good understanding that she would be behind Bria Hartley, yeah. and then Hartley goes down, unfortunately, with the knee injury against Washington right and um you know that just kind of pushed her more into the forefront in terms of minutes and it was just it was it was crushing for me and I felt for Coach Tebow um you know I I just felt for him after the game and you know he just really set his team up for success and did the best with who he did have down there in Bradenton, Florida, everyone, you know, mm-hmm. there's a huge graphic on all the faces that weren't there, but I'm like, well, wow, look how well he did with who was there mm-hmm. and how many other coaches could do that, um, you know, with the circumstances throughout the season. And I think Coach Tebow said it best the other day before the Phoenix game, he said, you know, we had, you know, a great start three and oh, and then we had injuries. Our aerial powers went out after six games with the hamstring injuries. She was sent out of the bubble to, to get treatment and to heal. Mm-hmm. And then we had to sign all these rookies and then you play every other day. So you, you can't practice and you can't mm-hmm. get these kids in involved. And, you know, he said, quite frankly, it was a mess, you know, through that one, one in 12 stretch. And, uh, that was just, it was tough. And he said, I think, you know, at that point in the season, we're playing our best basketball. This is what we thought we could be, you know, this season, but we just needed time to let everything cook and, and get crispy at the top. Yeah. And, you know, that's what happened. They, they got, they got it. And, you know, I'm proud of them. I'm, I'm disappointed that, that they couldn't continue on in the playoffs because wow, what a story that would have continued to be for mm-hmm. the mystics at the close of the season. But, I, I'm just really proud of of the the message that they sent, not just with basketball and the perseverance that it took to do what they did on the floor, but also the character and the wherewithal yeah. to do what they did off the court as well and to be that voice for the league. No, I totally agree. And, you know, I have a bunch of stats here. And, you know, we could kind of pick apart what happened. Um, and, I, you know, I have some things to complain about, but it, it's really just – look – in sometimes basketball happens mm-hmm. you're playing a really good team in phoenix you're you know in the first half for like just for example washington had two turnovers in the first half seven turnovers in the second half they gave up no offensive rebounds in the first half gave up right. seven offensive rebounds in the yeah. second half yeah then phoenix shot 27 percent from three in the first half in the second half, they shot 61%. I mean, yeah. and then you look at the final tally for Skylar Diggins-Smith and Diana Taurasi. Sky put up 24 points, six rebounds, five assists. Diana Taurasi put up 23 points, four rebounds, six assists. Yeah. And, man, it's just like, look, 
basketball happens sometimes. You're playing a good team. The offense stalled out at a bad time, like we have seen it do at points this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, you know, if, if Leilani makes that last free throw, maybe we head to overtime and, and we see a different game. Or Maisha knocks in that three and if it that counts. counts. If yeah. that counts, that, yeah. that they're that's how close it is, right? They're they're like 0.1 seconds away from from winning this game. Um and and you look at the last shot, it's like if she if there was a second of hesitation or if Leilani just decides to do a shorter closeout for whatever, it's just like and we could do this all day. But at the I end of the day, know. basketball happens. And, and um, like you mentioned, I'm really, I'm really proud of this team. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly, mainly um, for what they did off the court, because that's so much more important. And I think right. there's a, a really good story that Holly told, Holly Rowe told during the game of Ariel Atkins texting Holly yes. out of the blue. And then yep. Ariel's not someone who, who really goes out of her way to, to talk to the media. Exactly. Um, but she she decided that it was important to make sure that ESPN was going to take the shot clock violation time that the mm-hmm. that the league has been putting aside since the day of reflection to talk about voting, which is the initiative that they are focusing on. Yes. Right now. Yeah. Um, and that's something that you know I've been really proud of you and Megan for doing on uh, your wonderful NBC Sports Washington broadcast that I'm going to miss dearly. Oh, um, thank just you, as a Gabe. side note. <laughs> but uh, you guys have done a really good job of making sure at those shot clock, um, mm-hmm. by intentional shot clock violations, taking that time right. to use it to talk about what the players wanted. So Ariel wanted to make sure ESPN would do that. She did that. And then they did talk about that in those timeouts. Yeah. So it was perfect. And, and it's census too. Like have, make sure yeah. people do that because you see it and you hear about it, but you don't actually register mm-hmm. and, and make sure that you're being counted for the census, which is so important as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, we, we love doing that. And it's, it was almost, uh, I don't want to say freeing because I don't know if that's the proper word yeah. for how I felt talking about it, but the word needs to be heard. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the mystics to want to use those 24 seconds for something bigger than basketball. I mean, that just, no. that just made the whole season for me. And, you know, to hear and see Ariel Atkins stand up like she did, I think it carried over to the court and her leadership as yep. a player. And, you know, she's only in her third season. So, I mean, what a tremendous upside for her. And now next season to be mixed in with those seasoned vets and then to have that experience to, to utilize her voice that way. And now Cloud is coming back, Adela Don, Charles, like all big voices in the league and I think it's just going to be what the league needs for that, that continued push. Yeah. No, I think, you know, we'll have a lot of time in the off season in this undefined off season <laughs> to talk about what the mystics future looks like. Um, right. There's some questions about what Emma, if Emma's coming back, I if she's going to play, um, which I think, you know, that was kind of, they, they kind of saw that coming because of the Olympics next year and she only right. signed the one year. Um, I would assume she, she will be back in the WNBA at some point, just maybe not next season, regardless right. The biggest thing to me, though, is exactly what you mentioned, is Ariel Atkins' development, not necessarily on the court, because I think a lot of what you saw on the court is what you've seen from her over the past few seasons, but off the court, you know, becoming that she was the unquestioned leader of this team. You know, Maisha's great. Leilani's great. Uh, Emma's great. They all did did their leadership share, but the the Mm -hmm. leader of this team 
really became Ariel Atkins yeah. as the season wore on. And that to me is the most, is the biggest development for this franchise going forward. Yeah, no question about it. And I think the emergence also of Leilani Mitchell down the stretch, yeah. not just in, in the final game of the playoffs uh, against Phoenix, but I think in the last couple of weeks, I mean, she has emerged as a floor leader. And mm -hmm. I believe there was a stretch of three or four games where she was averaging nine or 10 assists. And, yeah. you know, she was also scoring the ball well. So I just think that, you know, she took it upon herself to be that person for the team and knowing that they needed the best of her in that regard. And, they yep. sh and she showed it. And the same for Emma Miesemann. I think she turned the corner and, and finally mm -hmm. oh, yeah. you know, figured out what this new role was exactly going to be for the remainder of the year. And I think the last two or three weeks, she figured that out and looked a lot more comfortable with what she was doing on the floor um, in that new role for the Mystics. So I just think it was just a plus. And I think just to have watched them, I learned so much more like about myself, yeah. you know, and about the game and the selfless nature and the culture that Mike Tebow has created in DC, uh, you know, I'm just grateful for it. And just to be that close. And I know, you know, we call the games in DC and everything, but I'm from here and mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, it's hard not to, <laughs> to cheer. I mean, Scott Van Pelt is very open with his uh, loyalties to Maryland yeah. on all the broadcast stuff. I mean, you know, there's a fine line with that, but I think that, um, you know, it, it's I'm cheering for more than just hoops. You know, I'm yep. cheering for the empowerment of, of professional sports for women and their voices being heard and the usage of their platform in that regard. I, I think I'm cheering for that more so than just being a homer. So just, mm -hmm. just to put that out there, it's, there's a lot more to it. There are layers to it for me. And, and I know for, for Megan too, I'm not going to speak for her, but I mean, you know, we fist bump and high five so much during the broadcast when <laughs> saying things that just are bigger than basketball and so that that for me is is what i'll take away from what the mystics were able to do this season yeah i didn't feel like a homer last i mean i didn't feel like a homer for most of the season just because i was being trying to be more objective like you're saying but it never clouds my judgment right like <laughs> i and you guys are too by the way like you guys are critical of the team when critiques are necessary mm -hmm. you're positive of the team when it's positive and to me last night phoenix straight up beat Phoenix won that – I'm not – I know we're talking a lot about the Mystics. That's because mm -hmm. we cover the Mystics. We're very close to this team. Phoenix won that game straight up. They played They played the second half much better. They put it together much better. They had the They had the better talent. And when it came down to it, they hit the big shot when when the Mystics didn't. So they won that game. Hats off to them. They are, they are a really good team. We're, we're going to talk about them in a little bit when we do our second-round previews. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like, I felt – that I felt like a real fan when that <laughs> Shea Petty shot went in. I was like, and oh, my like, God. Yeah, I, my temple I still has marks <laughs> when I, like, I squeezed my head so hard with both hands. I, that was just so uh, dramatic because I was yelling when Diggin Smith had the ball. I was like, they're running out of time. They don't have enough time. They don't have enough time. And then she threw that long pass, oh, and man, I'm like, pass. buzzer's going to go off. The buzzer's going to go off. And then she pump faked. I'm like, yeah, 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 no way. And then it went right in. It was, I think that is the most dramatic thing I've seen. And that, I mean, we saw Jewel Lloyd hit that yeah. shot and her foot just centimeters away from that sideline. And I get it. And that was dramatic. But, I mean, that's for a do or die. Like, you know, they still had yeah. another game or two after that Seattle did. So, I mean, this is like win or go home, March Madness kind of like, oh, desperation. And uh, yeah. 
yeah, that was just, that was crazy. I was up you know, half the night. I couldn't sleep. It was like, oh, my yeah. nerves were gone. <laughs> well, I was standing up for like two yeah. hours straight because I, I watched the Heat game and I am a huge Heat fan. That's why I don't cover the NBA because there's no way I'm, there's no way I can ever be like any semi-objective. Uh, so I watched that Heat game. The Heat game was absolutely wild while also watching the Connecticut game. Connecticut oh, yeah. put that game one away early as we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. Um, but I was watching Heat game. I was jumping up and down for the entire last second. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to stand for the entire Mystics game. <laughs> I'm yelling and I, I'm getting yeah. into it like as a fan. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, that was a heartbreaking way yeah, to lose. Was. I can't imagine what the team went through. Yeah. Exhilarating win for Phoenix. Um, yes. Fantastic. Yes. You know, it's just, basketball's amazing. But you never realize how long five seconds is I until mean, the end of a basketball game. Oh, my God. It felt like it was 15 seconds long. And it felt and, like real time was, was slow motion. It felt mm -hmm. like the real time was slow motion because I'm like, oh, they're going to run out of time. 5.8, like, mm -hmm. no way. You can dribble it around and then skip past pump fake and launch in time. But they did it. So, so Lord have mercy. The lo longest five seconds of your life will take place at the end of a basketball game. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's, let, we can move on to – well, unless you have anything else to say about the Mystics uh, – just, I mean, just the discussion that we just had um, brought about a sweat bead on my forehead. So we can move <laughs> along. So <I> <laughs> to a slightly, a slightly less exciting game, uh, Connecticut beat Connecticut, the Connecticut Sun beat the Chicago Sky 94 yeah. to 81 to move on to the second round. Mm -hmm. uh, this game was really close until right about the third quarter. Connecticut outscored Chicago 27 to 11 in that third quarter, pretty much putting it away. Alyssa Thomas. Where, wait, where did Alyssa Thomas go to college? Uh, I believe me. she went somewhere in College Park. That would be Maryland. <laughs> She's <laughs> the a Terp. Terp. <laughs> the Terp put up 28 points, 13 yeah. rebounds, 8 assists, a WNBA record, 10 offensive rebounds. A machine. I saw you tweet about that, too, last night. 10 offensive I mean, rebounds? It's, it's like, ridiculous. That's wild. She's a machine, Gabe. She's a machine. And nobody she, and she's out there with two torn labrums in her shoulders. I know. I don't know how she's able to will her body to do what she has done this season and last season. I mean, for I mean, she she won't get the surgery because she's gonna be out too long. She doesn't want to miss anything. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I'm like, if you can do what you're doing with two torn labrums, I'd be scared to see what she would look like with both of them repaired because I mean, she's just uncommonly terrific, uncommonly terrific. And to add in the fact that she's not 100% healthy is just, that just blows my mind every time I see her out there. And she's just like running like a gazelle and boarding like a machine mm. and finishing. I, you know, she's, she's tough, 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 tough. She's just so, she's so in shape, right? Like remember last year in the finals, I'm pretty sure she played every single minute yeah. of last year's finals. In this game, she got 26 seconds of rest. So she was wow. playing the whole game. Wow. And it's just like to be in that shape and have – to play as hard as she does on a per-minute basis. Right. And to also be in such shape that you can play like that every single minute of the game exactly. is so impressive. Like I can't think of another basketball player that can, that can put up those high-intensity minutes every single minute of a game yeah. Yeah. like she can. I, I seriously I don't know. Yeah, and take a beating. I mean, and I'm not oh, yeah. saying she was being fouled. I'm just saying it's like physical. Like she's playing. She's in oh, the yeah. paint. Like she's getting like pinballed in there. And, you know, she gets up and keeps it moving. And I'm like, wow. Like, and it's not just, you know, physically 
um, you know, the toughness of her, her physical strength, but it's like her mental toughness mm -hmm. to me is what is most impressive. And that's saying a lot because her physical demeanor is amazing. So, you know, when you add that to her mental capabilities and the approach that she brings to every single possession, that to me is, is most worthy of, of congratulatory, I don't know, mm. moments. <laughs> you got to shake awe. your hand. <laughs> of awe for me. Like, that's what I feel like when I'm watching her. It's just like, man, we're watching... Yeah. I, I don't know. She, I, I think people were saying like she's underrated or something. Uh, everyone in Washington, every everyone in Washington, we know about Alyssa Thomas. Yeah, we know Alyssa Thomas. We've known her, honey. Either, either you know about her from Maryland, or you know about her from playing in that in that finals last year because mm -hmm. she's a, she was a finals MVP until until John Quill Jones um got her third foul. I mean fourth fourth or fifth foul. Yeah, down late like in that fourth crucial. quarter of Game Five, mm -hmm. Alyssa Thomas going to win the MVP. Yeah. No doubt. And, yeah. and she was, man, I, it's just, when you put those whole games together, you're talking about one of the great players in our game. And she, yeah. that was a first, that line that I told you, that's mm -hmm. the first time in WNBA uh, playoff history, anyone's put that line up. Yeah. Um, and like I mentioned, WNBA playoff record, 10 offensive rebounds. She ate up Ruthie Hebert. Poor Ruthie I Hebert. mean, she's a rookie, you Ruthie know, and, and, and Alyssa knew that. And, uh, Kind of took advantage of of the um, of the crafty ways to mm -hmm. get yourself the ball, and I, I think Ruthie and I love Ruthie's game, oh, but yeah. I just think you know everybody experiences their first year at some point, and mm -hmm. this just happened to be her time to learn, and you know it's just uh, such an upside. I just love all of the great names in the game right now, and yeah. and players like Alyssa Thomas who are going to continue to carry it forward. Yeah, and DB, Dewana Bonner, also had a great game. She did. I mean, th this is like nothing new. 23 yeah. points, 12 rebounds, three assists, three steals. I mean, that's a that's a, another day in the office for Dewana Bonner. Really? Uh, she she was fantastic. Um, she's really just become such a crafty scorer. And, yes. and that's what I think has elevated her game in the past couple of years is she still has that speed. She still is doing a lot um, getting downhill, but. Mm -hmm. just the craftiness of where she can score from like the free throw line did you see that one where i think it was last night she like went up with two hands mm -hmm. got pressure and moved to the left in the air and then shot yeah. like a one-handed floater off the <laughs> yeah insane. and she kept the ball high i mean that's just mm -hmm. like the basics and the, the basics and fundamentals of the game are on full display when when you're watching dewana bonner and mm -hmm. that's inside out and the fact that she's so long and lanky, someone told her when she was, I don't know, 11, 12, when they knew she was going to be lanky and long like yeah. that, don't bring the ball down. Like, I don't ever see her bringing the ball down. Like, she's uh -huh. always maneuvering chin up with the ball. Like, she's chinned it, and it's going from there to forehead and up and in. Mm -hmm. Like, it's never at her belly. It's never at her waist. And, you know, that's why she's able to be as quick as she is when it comes to shooting inside and maneuvering like you just described. Yeah, and she was throwing dimes yesterday too. I mean, I, yeah, I was. Yeah, it's easy to be impressed by Dewana Bonner. Hot take, <laughs> right? Like, um, and we kind of saw, you know, a little bit of the Connecticut Sun that we expected to see when they got Dewana. Obviously, yeah. John Cole Jones is not there. That's a huge deal. But sure. they played. They locked down defensively in that second uh, half. Jasmine Thomas also got some shots to fall, which is huge. Another DMV yeah. native. Yeah. 
Um, got some shots to fall in the second half, which is always huge for Connecticut. To me, that's always the first thing I look for. Like, is Jasmine Thomas contributing on offense? If she is, Connecticut's always going to have a really good chance to win. Yep. She was able to do that in the second half. Um, but for Chicago, I mean, look, they, you know, they were championship material. And then it just got rough without Diamond to Shields and Azari Stevens, who had to leave the bubble. I know. It was so hard. And I think for um, the trajectory that Washington went on at the end of the season, you could say the mm. direct 180 mm. for Chicago in terms of momentum and chemistry and everything else. And, you know, when you, when you lose two key pieces like that, that's just, you can't really replace that, especially defensively with Azrae Stevens inside at six 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 seven taking away uh, the rim and protecting the glass. And I just think that they really miss her. And, and Diamond Shields, I just think that, you know, after the season she had last year, she was on WNBA MVP watch, you know, mm -hmm. coming into this season and, and just not being 100% healthy. Still, she was able to make key contributions for Chicago. And, you know, she was disruptive defensively and got out in transition. I, I just think that she brought the, the extra – level of speed and pace to the game because of her defensive energy. So they were missing that. So I just think it was really hard for them to get the stops that they had gotten when they had those two on the floor. And yep. Courtney Vandersloot's a beast. We get it. 10 assists. They bumped it up. 10 assists the game for the, for the record. And, and Quigley, I mean, she could shoot that thing. I mean, they just had good pieces, but they needed, they needed the seasoning of Stevens mm -hmm and the shields and they just missed that and that's unfortunate because they, they did work so hard this year yeah but once those two left the bubble man that was a totally different team for sure i think it's really defensively i mean yes right like Alyssa thomas got 10 offensive rebounds in large part because azari steven's not there i mean like that's a per that's a person who's there getting those boards who's protecting the rim for them and that was kind of how they're all set up she goes out with the knee injury and then yeah. diamond's probably there one of their best defensive players when healthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so then you compound that with Allie Quigley having a little bit of an off three-point shooting year. It just – it's disappointing, right? Because Chicago yeah. did have championship hopes this season. They, they will. They will probably have championship hopes next season as well. I mean, I, I think this year it's disappointing and, and you're hurt by it, I'm sure. But you got to focus now on next season and how you, how you make yourself better. I'm not, I haven't looked at their books yet or who, who's a free agent. Oh, there. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think they're definitely, I mean, at the beginning of the season, they were the top three team for mm -hmm. weeks and weeks and weeks behind Vegas and Seattle. It was Vegas, Seattle, Chicago. Right. And mm -hmm. you know, then a couple of changes, I'm telling you, it, it doesn't take much, you know, which yeah. is why I think, uh, you know, when you look at what Washington was able to do with so many people in and out and and the youth, it, it just really speaks volumes to um, the experience level of Mike Tebow and his staff. Yeah, it's a, this year was a this season was um, it was a war of attrition, right? It's like, OK, yeah. who who's going to be healthiest by the end? Right. Who's going to have who's going to have the most players? Somehow Phoenix is still around and they've been playing for much of the season with like seven players, but you got DT, right? Like she counts yeah. for three. Um, <laughs> and, and Connecticut was got healthy at the right time. If you they recall did. at the beginning of the season, they were 0-5. Yeah. They, they, they were yep. really struggling at the beginning of the year without Brian January. Sure. Um, so it just, you know, they, they got going, they got hot at the right time and now they're looking good. 
yeah. heading into the second round and Chicago's heading home because they had their injuries at the end of the season. Right. Um, right. But you know, that's the way, that's the way a cookie crumbles, right? It's tough. Wow. It's hard to accept, but that's, I mean, the reality of it is, is factual and you yeah. just have to deal with it somehow, but it's rough. You hate and, it. And, cre- and credit to Chicago and Washington because they don't make excuses, right? No. You don't hear, you don't hear either of those teams make excuses. They, they had to deal with what they had to deal with. Um, I think if you're an NBA fan, you heard what the Clippers said last night. It's a very different tone. It's a very different tone, right? Very different like they tone. look at those teams aren't looking to put blame on anybody else. Um, they're trying yeah. to get their, they're, they're taking the responsibility and they're saying, yeah. Hey, look, like this is what happened. We're going to come back next year, be stronger. I, I do believe um, both Chicago. I mean, obviously Washington's going to be much stronger as soon as yeah. they get half the roster back on the I court mean, there, there's that part yeah <laughs> um yeah. i think chicago also will be stronger especially with the fully healthy diamond shields and yes um you know we can only wait until until next year to see those two teams back yeah and i'm excited for it i mean yeah I think both teams have exciting futures yeah no doubt no doubt i agree i agree do you want to let's move on to second round all right uh, well. so this is another single elimination round yeah. Um, actually, you know what? I don't think we ever talked about this. How do you feel about the the single elimination in the first two rounds? I mean, it is kind of NCAA tournament like. Yeah. But um, you know, these teams did make the playoffs, so they do have to play these single elimination games. What are your overall thoughts on the on the format we have? I mean, I think if you're looking at it, I'm going to take it three ways. All right, I'm going to take it. If you're a coach mm-hmm. of one of the teams. I, I think that's the ultimate challenge for your team, mm-hmm. right? Like, are we prepared? Here's the game plan. How well are we going to execute it? Period. Right? right. All right. Now we move to being a player with that same kind of approach to the game. Okay. We have one chance to get it done. And maybe I'm, I'm in my 12th year or something like that. And I don't know if I'm going to get this chance again. So you're going to lay it all on the line, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is my last shot. This could be my last shot. You know, my last free throw, my last box out, like how hard is that going to drive me, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you can look at it that way. And then you get the best out of everyone because they're thinking in that tone. And then I'm going to look at it as a fan. Fans love it. Like fans yeah. love it. And I think in, in that respect, I think that it it really creates the the drama. Like we saw yesterday you know, with the Phoenix game and Phoenix and Washington, I, I think, you know, if that were a three game series or five game series, it would still be intriguing, you know, mm-hmm. to play a game two or three or four or five. But I think when you have your, all the chips on the table and, you know, the fans are watching in uh, bated breath, you know, especially down the stretch with 5.8 seconds. I'm going to digress because I keep seeing it in my head, but uh, <laughs> I just think that it, it makes it incredibly tantalizing for the fans. And, yeah. and that's what it's about at the end of the day. So I think, I think the challenge is there for coaches and players, but I also think it gives the fans the experience that they want from sports, which is you never know what's going to happen. And, yeah. and you just don't. And, and the, um, the drama of that is something that entices you to, to tune in and watch it. So I like yeah. it in that respect. I do too. Uh, I, I mean, I, I like definitely the first round I'm in, I'm in for it. Cause again, like you mentioned, it's like the, the closest you're ever going to get to March madness in a professional sport. Exactly. 
Because, like, these teams, you, you have time to prepare and you have time to put in a game plan, but it's really, like, in-game. You're going to have to shoot on the fly. Like, you're, if something's working, you got to go to it. If something's not working, you got to get rid of it. That's right. If not, you're going home. Like, that's it. And, and, and it's more like you're going to eat – every team can win. Um, despite us not – we don't get a ton of upsets in these rounds, although we yeah. almost had two I mean. um, yesterday. <laughs> Right, like we, yeah. we were we were one shape petty shot away from two upsets in the first round. So it, it is just I think it's that feeling that yeah, it's definitely great for fans to have um, that March Madness feel, especially yeah. in this season where we didn't get March Madness. We right. get it a little bit here. Exactly. I would love to see um, a series, a three game series at least in the second round because. Mm-hmm. To me, if you're the sec, if you're the third or fourth best team in the league, mm-hmm. you should have the advantage of being able to adjust to a, a inferior, quote unquote, inferior team in a series. That's that would be the benefit to me of being a three, or, a three or four seed. Um, but you know, it, it's it is what it is. I understand why you can't do that because then if you're playing a three game set, that's yeah. a really long break for the teams in the semifinals. Yeah. So you'd have to you have to make you have to mess around with the format a little bit, but I'd love to see a a, a second round series just just to give a little bit more boost to those um, really good teams because right now what we're looking at in the second round, yeah, I mean we could see two upsets, yeah, you know, we could see two upsets pretty easily. So let's uh, let's get to Phoenix and Minnesota, seven p.m. on ESPN two tomorrow night. Thursday. You may be listening to this on Thursday, so it might be tonight. Right. Um, The season series, uh, they split it. Minnesota won on August 21st against Phoenix, 90 to 80. Then Phoenix came back with an 83-79 win on August 30th. Both those games were after Brittany Griner uh, and Bria Hartley left the bubble. Yeah. So we don't know if Sylvia Fowles is playing yet. It seems like she might. I mean, Cheryl Reeve, right? Like, we don't know what Cheryl's at. What Cheryl. yeah. Cheryl's definitely not telling us what she's going to do. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> but but she may right. not even know. She I wouldn't either. Know. I wouldn't tell everybody. I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep that information to myself until game time. That, and, she, you know, and she hasn't the, played. So it's like, I don't, I don't know if that would be a good thing for her to play. I'm just speaking for, for Sylvia Fowles. And, you know, is that the right move for her to play? If she hasn't she been in game, right? But that's a game. That's like you different. can kind that's of you can temper the speed of how practice is going. You cannot temper the speed of how a game goes. So yeah. I think you can go quarter court in practice, but how are you getting up and down the floor? How long are you? Or how long are your minutes? You know, and all that can be gauged better in, in game like situations. And and who's to say how how tough the practices were in terms of getting up and down the floor like that? But mm-hmm. I mean, when you have Rebecca Brunson, Katie Smith, and yeah. uh, who? Wait, there's one more. There's one more on staff. There are three of them. Oh yes, there was just a really Where's good article. Reeve? Was it Planet Pearson? Yeah, Planet Pearson's on the Planet. staff. Planet. Okay, I so thought, you have yeah. those three pros, you know, and all stars and Olympians and and all that. I mean, they've been through the trenches yeah. when it comes to dealing with, you know, injuries and, and how to gauge that. So I'm sure they're going to, if she is going to play, I'm sure there's probably going to be a minutes restriction if she is going to play. Um, 
but I know she's not just going to be thrown back out there. Lord have mercy. I, I, I just know, you know, from, from watching what Cheryl Reeve has, has yeah. done over her career as a coach, like she knows how to, how to handle those kinds of things, especially with players who are getting a little bit um, more experienced. And, uh, <laughs> Charitable uh, terms. Yeah, that's all respect and love, you know. So, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But if she plays, boy, what a difference maker she would be. I I think, I mean, I have no information on this. Um, but I think she's gonna play just from like what the other players are saying, like, oh, she'd be such a she'd be such a boost for us. So I think it's seeming like she's gonna play like they've been waiting for this to happen. Mm. Um, to get to the playoffs where they're in a position where she, where still can play. Sylvia Fowles, a, a Miami native. What, yes. What? Uh, <laughs> but I think it's it would be huge for her because over the last half of the season where Minnesota did not have Sylvia Fowles, they also yeah. were missing her for a couple games before that point. Early, but the last yeah. half of the season, they ranked dead last among playoff teams in defensive rating. They're giving up 107.9 points per 100 possessions in those last 11 games. So, you know, for a team – franchise organization yeah. built on defense you know that's driving Cheryl Nafisa the whole the whole team crazy absolutely absolutely to not be able to get as many stops as they want so I think if still comes back it'd be a huge boost there mm-hmm. um I also think I don't know I don't man I have no idea what to do with this matchup I just really don't do you, <laughs> do, do you have any um how do you think how do you think Phoenix matches up with Minnesota, where do you think um, the pressure points are for them to win this game? I think it's going to be on the perimeter. I mean, yeah. Nafisa Collier is outstanding. Um, she can obviously be a threat anywhere on the floor. So I, I think with Crystal Dangerfield and her ability to make plays with poise for Minnesota, I think that's going to be a key factor. And, you know, she's a rookie, but she doesn't play like it. And I just think that she's going to need that same steadying mentality against mm-hmm. a team like Phoenix who has the the experience in those positions with Skylar Diggins Smith and with Diana Tarazi and you know now Shea Petty who was probably riding high with a ton of confidence um, headed into the game so I just think it's going to be a, um, a challenge and Crystal Dangerfield loves challenges it appears so I think yeah. that's going to be the the matchup that I'm going to be looking at how well she performs against experienced teams and how well she uh, dictates the tempo on both sides not just how well she handles the ball and makes plays but how well are you defending you know because point guards aren't just pace keepers offensively they're also pace keepers defensively they're that first line Mm -hmm. of defense so if that's an Olay situation and now you have dominoes falling and rotating rotating you're in trouble so she has to be fierce on the defensive end too when it comes to controlling the pace and and tempo of the game for Minnesota. And I think that's going to be um, something that I'm going to circle on my sheet of things to look at in that game. Um, but I also think uh, Ken, Skylar Diggins-Smith, and Dinah Taurasi combined for 47 points again. I mean, they're going to need that kind of production sure. against Minnesota. So can you be consistent? So I think for Phoenix, it's, it's going to be, obviously, with the two of them, can um, Brianna Turner – do what she did defensively in that mm-hmm. 17-0 run against Washington to get the blocks and the boards um, necessary to go the other way and score the ball. So um, it's going to be intriguing in a lot of ways. 
but that's just what I see off the top of my head with, with that matchup. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm glad you brought up that 17 0 run from yesterday. Cause it just kind of seems like in the last 10 games outside of a couple of, of a couple outlier games, there, like Phoenix has had a run like that in every single game where they yeah. just, they'll explode because they have that, they have that transcendent talent in Skylar yeah. Smith and in Diana's Rossi that they can just explode offensively. I'm really concerned with Minnesota's ability to keep up at that point. Yeah. So your two options are, okay, we got to score more than we normally do, or we got to keep them from getting hot. Mm-hmm. Option A to me seems easier than option B. Mm-hmm. So it's like, can Bridget Carlton get going? Can Rachel right. Bannum get going if she's yes. playing a lot? If yes. Lexi Brown is healthy, how she's shooting? Where is Odyssey Sims gonna gonna put up another performance? Um, like she has, she's, she's, she's really flashed brilliance yeah, that we saw last go. year this season. So mm-hmm. that's my, that's my biggest um, concern with Minnesota. I think they have the ability to get over that concern, but it, it's going to be a tough game for them. Do you want to make a prediction? I'm not going to put you on the spot if you don't want to. I we mean, can. Whew, I mean, Cheryl Reeve has done a tremendous job. Mm-hmm. Sandy Brondello, too, for that matter. I mean, she's had to kind of change the way Phoenix has played without Brittany Griner in there. And then Bria Hartley, who was such a vital piece. I, I don't know. I think it's going to be close. Mm-hmm. But I may give the edge to Minnesota. Okay. And I'm only saying that because I think that they're going to – I guess the the mentality that they're going to approach the game with, I think they're going to be really trying to prove themselves. And I think they've had that chip on their shoulder all season. And I think they didn't really uh, see the respect for what they have done over the season until the last couple of weeks when they're ranked in the top four and mm-hmm. some power pulls and things like that. But they were doing the work. Like they're just like ducks oh, yeah. on the ducks on the water but their right. feet, they look calm up top. But underneath, boy, those feet are, are moving. <laughs> They're moving. But I don't think anybody ever recognized that um, to the point yeah. that, that they felt appreciated for their efforts. So I really think they have a lot to prove. And I think they're going to surprise some people. I, I know people want to go ahead and, and put, you know, Phoenix in that spot, move them ahead into the semifinals or whatever. But and I get it, Tarasi now 14 and one in elimination games. Okay, I get it. And I'm, she is the GOAT, like flat out, tip of the hat, respect, love her, love Skylar Diggins-Smith and her toughness and her facial expressions and how locked in she gets. I love it. But there's also the flip side of that. And, you know, for these young players like Dangerfield, like Collier, you know, who want to make a name for themselves, they know that you make your name in postseason. Mm-hmm. And just like Skylar Diggins-Smith has done, just like Diana Taurasi has done, now they feel like it's their turn. And I really think that that, that level of having, you know, something to prove is going to take them over the edge. I agree. I, 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 can, I agree with everything. I think you make good points. Um, however, I picked against Diana Taurasi and Skylar Diggins-Smith in the last game, <laughs> and I hated it. So <laughs> I'm not picking against them anymore. I'm picking those two to to take this team to the semifinals, um, mainly because I just think they'll I think they'll be able to um, 
blow past Minnesota, especially if Sylvia Fowles is not 100% and if yeah. Lexi Brown's not 100%, yeah. which seems like it'll be the case. But I don't know. I'm with you. It, just, it could be either way because I think both, both these teams have um, great everything. Yeah. And they also have, like, clear weak spots. Right. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I'm really excited to see what Nafisa Collier is going to do as yeah. sort of the leader of a of the team. Same. Um, in the playoffs. Right. But we'll, you know, I don't and know. That's, and I, that's no disrespect to Phoenix. I don't want people to think no. like, wow, how can you? And I'm not really going necessarily. Against, We're making picks. We're making picks, and it's not necessarily going against Phoenix. I know who Diana Taurasi is. I've seen it, you know, since college. So I'm not like jaded, like, well, I don't know anything about, no, I know all about yeah. what she brings to the table and I appreciate it and I respect it. Same for Diggin Smith. But I just think, you know, sometimes you, you have to look at the underdog and, you know, kind of, you know, the afterthought of, yeah. of the effort that you put in when you've been pouring it all out there at some point, that's going to, drive you to a well, point where you may you know, surprise some people and you know who's pushing that button cheryl reeve is definitely there telling them no <laughs> one believes right. in you she might That's find this clip yeah cheryl likes to find my clips and then make fun of me for them later so she might find <laughs> this clip of me picking phoenix and play for them um <laughs> but so i yeah i i'm we're i i think either way can happen there uh, we will have to have a goat discussion at some point because Absolutely. i don't think i agree with diane frosty I have, I have a, I have a, a couple Ooh. a couple uh, legends uh, mm. from Houston and Indiana who might who might differ. I, um, as soon as you said Houston and Indiana, all those names popped up in my head. So I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. There are a lot of goats. There are a lot of goats. All right, let's move on to Connecticut and Los Angeles. Last thing we are talking about uh, today, 9 p.m. on ESPN two, directly after that Phoenix Minnesota game. You got the sun. You got the sparks. The season series, um, Los Angeles won both games. They won the first. They won the first matchup in uh, July, eighty-one seventy-six. They won the la the later matchup in late August, eighty to seventy-six. In both those games, there was key players missing. So I'm not sure how much you want to take from that. Right. And if you recall, in last season's playoffs, uh, Connecticut kind of caused Los Angeles to collapse into themselves in a three-game sweep where um, a lot of things went wrong for yeah. Derek Fisher, for Candace Parker, for everyone involved. It was not a happy time in L.A. So um, that's the backdrop. I'm sure the Sparks are really excited to get the sun. Yeah. Um, I'm, so first off, Sydney Weeson, Tierra from Pratt, are in a similar situation as Sully Fowles. Derek Fisher said he, ex he hopes to get one of them back, mm -hmm. but he's not going to rush him back. Right. Um, so to me, ah, I have no – this is another one where I'm just like, Tuffy. I don't know. Neck is going to be a huge problem for Brianna Jones. Yeah. Um, that's a bad skills matchup for Jones. Um, but Alyssa Thomas is going to be a terrible matchup for Candace Parker. I mean, they're, that's looking in the mirror, and Candace Parker is looking at, you know, someone who's gonna, just going to try to run you over every single play. <laughs> and then it really – DB – is going to have a favorable matchup somewhere on the court because she's not going to be guarded by NECA or Candace, who are the two best defenders, in my right. opinion, on LA. She'll probably have Brittany Sykes on her. So right. for this game, um, again, just, you know, where, where do you think the pressure points are in this one? 
Well, I think you, you said one of the matchups I already had circled uh, with Connecticut Advance, and that's the, the Parker Thomas mm-hmm. matchup right there. And it's going to be a battle of wills. And you said it, you know, Alyssa Thomas wants all kinds of contact. And I'm not saying that in a mean way. I'm saying she wants to body you. She wants to catch it, get into your chest, back you down, and make shots. And Candace Parker wants to finesse you and ball fake you and give you the shimmy shake and the turnaround jumper. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be the finesse game against the power game. And I don't know. Like, it, that's going to be that's going to be fun for me to watch because I was more finesse, you know? And I yeah. played with Vicky Bullet, who was more of a power player. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I love playing with her. Um, but in, <laughs> pra- in practice, I, I didn't feel right to me. I was getting <laughs> my chest beaten, uh, you know, uh, night, uh, night after night at practice. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be a physical battle down there. But I, th- I just think they're just two different kinds of players when it comes to physicality. And I just think, you know, Thomas has to stay out of foul trouble. Same for Parker. Um, but I think with both of them, the boards, I think that's going to yeah. be a battle there. I mean, when L.A. played Washington uh, last weekend, I believe Candace Parker had 17 rebounds. So she can be a machine in there as well. And the thing about it, she did that so quietly. I'm thinking yeah. maybe she had 10 or 11 boards. And you look at the stats, 17. Like you just don't feel that she's, you know, that gaudy on that side of the stat sheet, but she can get going. So I just think those kinds of possessions, if Chelsea Gray is is doing what she can do offensively and not just making plays by passing, but making plays of her own, getting to that nail and, and pulling mm-hmm. that mid-range, I mean, that could be a problem uh, for Connecticut because of her strength and ability. So, you know, you're talking about the power game for Thomas against the finesse game of Parker, but how about the power guard game yep. from Chelsea Gray and how she can back somebody down, right? And utilize her body strength at her position at six foot running the one. I just think that's going to be an intriguing uh, thing to watch for as well. But, you know, the, the Brianna jones neka Gumake matchup, I, you know, that's going to be uh, the speed of neka Gumake is a problem for so for many shooting. people. But you saw last year in the finals where Emma Miesemann uh, gave Brianna Jones problems because Mm -hmm. of how well she was able to maneuver on the block and make multiple counter moves and and get around and get and ones. I just think that's going to be a vital matchup um, for both teams. Neck is going to have to obviously stay out of foul trouble too. Not that that's a problem for her, but I just think that, you know, she needs to be on the court and um, for as long as she can. And I know she had, you know, missed those, uh, four games this year. I think one was hamstring and, and three games with the back um, late in the season. So, yeah. you know, hopefully she's healthy and ready to, to play big minutes because they're going to need her presence out there. She's so incredibly efficient and they need that on the court and, um, you know, to go alongside Gray and Parker. No, I agree. I think Jasmine Thomas, I mean, I say that, I think I said this, like this, is this may be the thing I've said the most outside of something related to the mystics. Like, <laughs> Jasmine Thomas has to get going. If yeah. Jasmine Thomas gets going and shooting those threes and, and requiring her defender to stay close to her, that's going to open up the entire offense for Connecticut. Defensively, last year she did a great job on Chelsea Gray neutralizing her. Earlier this season, Chelsea Gray got the better of that matchup. So it, it's really going to – Jasmine to me is always the linchpin 
I love her game. I think she's a great competitor. But it's more it's not it's not like is she is she mentally there or is she competing or something? It's just like mm-hmm. are the shots falling and are is she taking those open shots? Right. Because that's what that team needs. It's not so much she needs to be like this, you know, this great scorer or anything. She just needs to be when the ball comes to her and she's open, hitting them. Right. When she on defense, is she locking in without fouling? Is she able to stand up in the post? when Chelsea Gray wants to get down there, mm-hmm. is she able to read where the help's coming from and be able to shade her, her matchup to right. the help. Right? right. So to me, the is she if she's locked in and doing those little things, they have a good chance. Um, I'll make my pick first since I put you on the spot last time. <laughs> okay. I'm picking, I'm picking LA. I, I, you know, I, I've want, I've been thinking cause like Connecticut played so well last game, mm-hmm. they've been playing really well down the stretch of the season. I love Alyssa Thomas. To me, she she's one of my favorite players in the league, as we've talked about throughout this podcast. But I think LA to me has been that team this year that I've said once again to the playoffs, we're going to see a very different team from where we saw them last season. Right. I think they've ironed out a lot of the kinks in their offense and defense on the court, but it's more so just like the togetherness off the court. And I think this bubble has actually kind of helped them, you know. Not it's it's not like they were like at each other's throats last year no, or something. It's no, just no. like when you're hanging out with people all the time, you generally have better communication with exactly, them. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I just I, I'm going with LA. I think I'm going with LA because they have the talent advantage in my eyes. They have um, NECA. I think NECA is gonna NECA is gonna kill it, and I think Chelsea Gray is gonna be able to get going. But I'd expect a really close game. Um, yeah. in both these matchups I, I, I expect both these to be close at least until late in the third quarter maybe someone pulls away left but I'm expecting it to be close so who you got yeah I, I agree with that I'm going with LA and the reason why I'm going with LA is almost the identical reason I chose Minnesota I think that there's there's something to prove I think mm-hmm. you know like you stated earlier just with how the season ended in that three-game sweep mm-hmm. last year with Connecticut man listen uh, yeah. the, the look on the when you asked like okay which team all I could do was think about Parker's face when she was on the bench and she wanted to play but guess what she's gonna be out there this year mm-hmm. she's gonna be on the court this time mm-hmm. I just think that the hunger of that is going to be the difference maker for LA as a whole and I think Parker has been such a tremendous vocal leader for the team this year I think that she's going to carry the team over the hump with that kind of leadership, you know, because of the fire yep. that she's going to possess uh, because she knows that her team could have done better, should have done better last season. But with that being said, and I believe it's going to be a close game as well, but I, with that being said, Alyssa Thomas's comments post game last night um, or the other on Tuesday night, speaking with Holly Rowe, she said, you know, we were a couple possessions away from a championship last year. Yep. And we wanted to keep playing to see what we can do this year. And I know we're missing John Quell Jones and some key pieces and everything like that. So I'm not saying that Connecticut's not hungry. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of hunger. Um, I think it's a different kind of proving to oneself. I think Candace Parker in her 13th year, I think has a lot to prove um, with that. And when I say it that way, I don't mean that right, the, she's got to get but... some work done. Right. No, yeah. I just mean that, I know she has, as soon as that buzzer went off 
when they got swept in that third game, as soon as that buzzer went off, mm-hmm. she was, doo, 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 doo. I'm poking my chest right now. Boo, 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 boo. Now she recalibrated, got herself in terrific condition and uh, physically and mentally, you know, to be able to come and lead this team this year. So I think that, you know, she's been waiting for this redo. And because she's been waiting for it, she's going to get everybody on the team on that same page. And it doesn't take much to get Neka Agumake on that page. She's already on it. Mm-hmm. What about Gray? She's on there. And I just think they're just playing great. I mean, they won nine games in a row during a stretch this mm-hmm. season. I mean, this is a team that, you know, has, has a lot to prove. Derek Fisher as well. I mean, his name was up for coach of the year this year because of what he's yes. been able to do with this team. So I'm going to go with – LA and I want it to be close because I love great <laughs> drama <laughs> but at the same time you know knowing that about both teams about what Alyssa Thomas said but also about how I believe Candace Parker is approaching this opportunity to compete in the playoffs I'm, go- I'm going with LA with that one. I, I mean yeah I think I, everything you had I mean look she remembers last year it ain't like she forgot and look, we're not because Alyssa Thomas is always on that that ten, yeah, the the ten setting. Yeah, I think what happened last year is going to push LA to that ten setting. Yeah. Um, it's, and Simone Augustus, you know, we forget. I don't think we forget that she's on this team, but we forget how much motivation she has coming in. Okay, she wants to prove some people wrong in Minnesota mm-hmm. for letting her go, that saying that she doesn't have it right. So mm-hmm. she's going to have something to prove, and this is playoff time for Simone. I mean. That that's one of the best playoff performers in basketball history, right there. Yeah, yeah, money, money, come on, I think, money, money. I think she's. Um, <laughs> I would. I'd be surprised if she didn't have a big game. So that's our second round yeah. preview. So I think our finals matchups, we would have L.A. playing Seattle in the semifinals, mm-hmm. and then you'd have Las Vegas versus Minnesota. I have Las Vegas versus Phoenix. So that's gonna be yeah. a dope semifinals. I mean, we'll, any way it goes, man, right? I'm good. Like right. we're getting we're getting great basketball. Exciting. Uh, yeah. We're getting great basketball in, yeah. in all formats. And like I said on last week's show, like fans, remember you're putting up playoff minutes. Like <laughs> take this Wednesday night, you know, recalibrate yourself, <laughs> watch right. some T watch some TV, some yeah. light TV. Drink a yeah. glass of wine because tomorrow night we got to put up those minutes again. <laughs> yeah, big minutes tomorrow night. Hey, no rest. What did you say? Uh, Alyssa Thomas played all but 26 seconds. That's, mm. that's going to be us. We got to play the full games tomorrow, baby. Playing full Double 40. <laughs> full 80 tomorrow for us. Full 80. Full 80. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And that, uh, ooh, I know we talked about a lot today. I we loved did. it. Man, we were sitting courtside for a minute, but they're starting to cut the lights out on us right now. <laughs> okay, we, gotta, we don't have to go home, but we got to get up out of here. And this has been another terrific episode of Courtside with Christy and Gabe on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. I am Christy Winter Scott. And for Gabe Ibrahim, we will see you courtside next week. Let's have fun in these playoffs, people.